0: Day leaders in today's episode we're talking about adaptability and how to do the best with what you have at the time enjoy why did it count backwards i oh, know that we're now recording
1: what <laughs> hello captain oh, what do I... come fly with me let's fly let's fly what are we going to talk about i don't know so leadership Life and everything else.
0: Yeah.
1: And we're live.
0: No, we're recording. I'm going to say it every time.
1: <laughs> Hey, Michelle. Hi, Guy. How are you doing?
0: Good. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: I'm really, really good. Good. Hey, we had such an awesome time with Prince last podcast, didn't we?
0: Oh, it, he was amazing. Yeah,
1: yes. Prince Seva from Komoda Design and Construction up in, uh, in Brisbane. Um, and it got us thinking, didn't it?
0: It did. It did. He's uh, one of the things that he mentioned was about doing the best with what you have at the time, mm. and it got us thinking.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like his, his last message at the end of the podcast that he has always just done the best that he could with what he had at the time and i thought it was fan such a fantastic mindset that um it got us thinking about different situations where we've had the same sort of thing you you, you have a similar sort of mindset just keep going until you can't Is yours
0: yeah that's my mantra <laughs> your mantra
1: keep going until you can't yes um, but what, what I loved about Prince's um, podcast was th- I've got three examples I want to talk about. The first one where um, he didn't get the results that he wanted or that he <laughs> needed, he
0: needed yeah. in
1: high school because uh, he was focusing on other things, I guess, he said. Um, uh, but... And rather than just giving up because his mate told him that that was the end of his, his scholastic career. because That's he, right, he got
0: an E, an N, and uh, a D. Yes, <laughs> in, in
1: his O levels or A levels or I don't even know what what the levels were. But there was, yeah, and he got an E and D. So his mate joked to him, that's the end of your schooling career. But, but then he went and locked himself in a room for six days and emailed every single university that he could.
0: Yeah, that's very good. It's brilliant, isn't it?
1: And he he kept on saying in his emails, look, I I did not get the results that you would have wanted for entry into university, but here's a a few things that that I'd like you to take into consideration, and uh, he ended up getting – uh, like a, a university placement here in, in Sydney. That's
0: right, yeah. yeah. But they there were conditions on it that he had to prove, so do a couple of bridging courses. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah, and it was great that he, he just had that dedication to keep going.
1: Keep going, keep going, keep going, yeah. The other one that I really loved he, where he spoke about when he came to Australia, he wa- and he wanted to assimilate, so he just spent hours and hours and hours riding buses around Sydney to different locations, taking notes and and watching TV to just to assimilate into the the culture that he's now living in
0: yeah he got to know manly very well he yeah. said
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Chatswood yeah. and different places because he was just riding the bus but it's a it's a great way for it, it, just think about the mindset he's come to a different country he's here to study and he wants to fit in he wants to assimilate so he just rides around taking notes okay well, what do i need to do who do i need to be so mm. like it's not that he's changing who he is as a person but he's just understanding the environment that he's in and and just um bending to to the situation it was a fantastic mindset, and then the last one, which still to this day is um, one of one of my favourite leadership stories. He's working for a company, and what did he find out that the owner was doing? He was,
0: uh, was embezzling the money, going yeah, to take the money and run overseas. Basically. Yeah. yeah,
1: and so he's he's the salesman in this company. He's the front of the company, and finds out that the owner's going to do the wrong thing. So. Starts his own company to make sure that the, yeah, the customers. Yeah, diverts
0: the customers' money so that he can use it to actually get their job done. Yeah,
1: rather than that money going into the owner's pocket and then he fleeing the country like he did.
0: Yeah, Boy, yeah. What, what,
1: what an amazing story about tenacity and perseverance and.
0: Well, you know, risking it for the biscuit too hmm. uh, in the fact that it, it was a big risk. You it know, was. Le- legally, yeah. you know, he could have been.
1: In trouble. Yeah. He could have, But yeah. he did that to save the clients that he'd promised mm. to do the work yeah so anyway it, it got us thinking about a mindset of just adapting adapting to the situation where you do the best with what you have in the moment and i'm gonna put you on the spot michelle have you ever had a situation <laughs> where you've had to adapt and just do the best with what you have in the moment
0: uh yeah yeah, there's okay. There's one thing that comes to mind very early on in my um, working life. I was had just turned 18 and was going to go to about to go down to uh, university at Wagga Wagga and I would need a job. So I um, enrolled in the Alex Beaumont bar course uh, or bar school yes yes that's right and so um it was a one-day course and you got to learn how to make cocktails and pull beers and and things Mm -hmm. and but the best piece of advice i got from that course was that um whichever bar you go into to Mm -hmm. get your first job just pretend like you've been doing it for years so what they said is observe everyone who's working there and copy how they do it yeah and so i did i I turned up to coco's nightclub (laughs) and uh, i i said yeah i'd been i'd been making drinks for ages and i'd you know done it once and maybe a couple of times at Mum and dad's place before i left and then um he the bar the owner actually made a couple of drinks and I just watched him, and so I, I used the same flair that he did. It took me a little longer than what he did, but he because I basically mirrored him, yeah. he was hiring himself. So how could he not hire me? So,
1: <laughs> so not only were you copying the ingredients he was putting into the drink, you copied his flair?
0: Absolutely.
1: Wow. What a- great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing it with the same sort of swagger and confidence oh, that yeah, he had, which yeah. is what really he's looking at, isn't he? That's he's right. he's anyway, a drink. Yeah, 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 what's going into it? it's it's the way you do it. Yes, yes. So oh, I so I,
0: I really really liked that piece of advice. And I've I've used it since actually yep. in in everything. You just look around you and observe, take in what they're doing, how they're doing it. Yep. And then yeah, adapt your what you do to just add a little bit of that flair to it.
1: Well, I must say, I wasn't as smart as you <laughs> in your first bar job. My first bar job was uh, not far from here at the Baumang Leagues Club. Right, a friend of mine uh, got me a job there, and on my first night, I'm uh, like, I'm not, I, I'm just raw, I've never done it before. And so I'm, I'm pulling beers and then stupidly putting my hand around the top of the glass oh. to put the beer up onto the counter rather than putting it underneath, here yeah, where you should hold the glass. And the the barman, um, just very passively, no, quite aggressively actually said, people don't want your fingers in their beer. <laughs> I thought, whoops, yep, yep yeah. That's, yeah, that's good advice. And uh, I lasted a whole one night. <laughs> on that job because I wasn't as smart as you I didn't copy what other if I'd copied what other people were doing I possibly could have worked there for a while but instead yeah no I wasn't I wasn't very smart at assimilating in that situation
0: How, have you used it at all in when you're training people
1: yeah yeah in training I have to I have to adapt and assimilate not assimilate but adapt all the time so it's something I, I noticed early on that uh, when you're di- with different audiences you need to be a different person you need to be a different trainer um, culturally so for example I've trained around the world and, and when you go to different cultures you have to be different um, because their education style is different but what I, what I find is that the audience that I have makes me a different trainers so if i'm working with senior executives i'm a particular sort of person uh but if i'm working with Let's say blue-collar workers in different industries, whether it be a local council or a utility, where you've got guys out in the field, um, you know, wearing high vis. Then I have to be a, a, a different type of trainer again. So I need to adjust me to suit the environment rather than expecting them to adjust to me. So yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. And actually, it, it was I was watching um, some stand-up comedy recently, and it was hilarious because it reminded me exactly what I do when I'm working with these these construction workers or or um, you know. Blue collar workers, uh, Ricky Gervais has got this fantastic uh, routine where he's you know he's in the suburb that he lives and it's a well to do suburb and he, yeah. and he talks about how he's walking down the street with his book of poems under his arm and his <laughs> scarf thrown backwards and he's sauntering across the stage and then he goes past the construction site and immediately changes. G'day, fellas, how you going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah it, it reminded me of of uh, the very first time I ever trained with a bunch of guys who are wearing high vis and they're out in the field doing stuff and you know me I'm useless I can't, I can't build anything um, and but I had to adjust I had to adjust my my um, communication style the the words I used um, you know the colloquialisms I used because you've got you've got to adapt to the situation you're in
0: well, same in aviation. Yeah. How you talk to a fellow uh, pilot would mm-hmm. not be the same as how you talk to the cabin crew and then similarly to the passengers. So yeah. um, again, when we were training to be captains, we were told that if anything happened, an event in the aircraft that needed um, a PA to the passengers to update them, keep them informed what's happening and what's what has happened, what is happening and what's going to happen, that you would do it. In a way that you would uh, tell it to your grandmother. Okay. So you'd do it with compassion, uh, with understanding, and you'd break it down, not use the three-letter acronyms, mm-hmm. you know, any plain speak, so to speak, yeah. uh, so to say. It's so, um, yeah, just to do it in a conversational, clear, succinct way, and they would have a full understanding of what was happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and when we were speaking to fellow pilots, you'd obviously use completely different language. Absolutely, Mm. and then
0: cabin crew were the same. You'd you'd have you wouldn't speak to them as you would as a a passenger or as a pilot. You'd you know you utilize things that they're familiar with.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it got us thinking when we were talking about this about how we think the world's changed a bit.
0: Yeah, it has. It has. Mm. So that
1: whole adaptability, you know, um, using. Doing your best with what you've got—it's—it's it's kind of changed, and, and we've got a bit of a theory because we—we both uh, grew up at, around the same era, yeah. And our well, childhoods were
0: on that. The—I didn't think it was a skill to be adaptable, but now I'm seeing that it is because I just. Um, possibly wrongly thought that everyone did it mm. but now i'm noticing it's not as common no and no. so possibly it is a skill now. yeah
1: and i think it's a skill that we learn as kids mm. and so you you and i had a very similar upbringing because we were both kids at the same age around the same era where you know the sun came up get outside, start playing, go and ride your bike with your local neighborhood friends and, you know, come up with rules for your uh, outdoor cricket, your, your backyard cricket. And it was very much, we're out there... Deciding how we play games, who we play with, the youngest kid has to bat first, otherwise he's going to go home and we're the shorter fielder. And so we, we figured things out on our own, didn't we? We didn't yeah. have a lot of parents walking around going, no, 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 this is the rules. This is how things go. And yeah. so it was, it, that was the growing up in the seventies and eighties and, and you walk out the door and you figure stuff out. That's it. Yeah. yeah but, um, both of us are parents and, Neither of us has raised our own kids that way. No, I'm very guilty of... of, We're the helicopter parent generation, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I am guilty of um, wanting to protect my children Mm. and overprotect them. I do know that. And, you know, sort their battles for them. That's it. Yeah.
1: And same. Same. We don't want them to hurt and we don't want them to uh, have to have the tough lessons that we had as kids. So we need to know where they are. Are they safe? Who are they with? What are they doing? And, And we've been the helicopter the parent generation and I've spoken to lots of people uh, my age in the courses that I've run that they did the similar thing when they were, when they were kids, the street lights uh, come on, you have to go home. When the sun comes up, you, you leave the door, you leave the, the house and you come back home. And then parents kind of parented all the kids in the neighborhood. If you, if you grew up in that sort of neighborhood, but now it's, it's very, very different. And I think what's happening is that kids aren't learning to be adaptable and they're not learning to, uh, adjust themselves. So I'll give you an example, if you don't mind. Um, when I was a kid, Lego was a big bucket. Of bricks, mm. and you built whatever you wanted. So you designed a building, you built a spacecraft, you built whatever you want. These days, kids will only build the Lego that is on the box, and then once it's done, it's done, and it sits it on the shelf. They That's don't pull it. it apart and make whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and computer games, all of the rules have been created for them. When we were kids, we we made up our own games, right? We, we made up the rules for, for backyard cricket. Okay, over and, over the fence and on the floor is six and out, and you know if it hits that window, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> run. Um, but now all of the rules have been created for the kids. Yep. So they're not creating their own rules. They're not, uh, you know, they're not socialising around, you know, adapting to the situation and the kids that are there and who's who owns the bat and who owns the wickets and who's. And so, because everything's been done for them, they're they're, they're not learning that adaptability that I think our generation learned. And I don't. It's not their fault.
0: No, and that's we're seeing it come through into the workforce, hmm. and so many people are complaining about this younger workforce that don't, you know, know how to dis- make decisions or don't know how to um, work or hmm. don't want to come up, turn up, and things. They've got a and different we're,
1: work ethic. Where
0: well, to blame?
1: Yeah, we are to blame. It's our fault. The parents we can't
0: complain. It's a, it's our
1: generation that have that have created now, and it's it's not like they don't have a work ethic. They've got a different work ethic, and yeah, and yeah it's it's. it's it's changing.
0: Yeah, and, but that's not everyone. We're not no. blanket. No, no, no. no there, are, yeah. there are people who have similar work ethics to what um, their parents would have. Yeah,
1: and I'm not saying work ethic, work ethic as in they don't want to work hard. It's yeah. just it's how they work and the sorts of things that they're expected to do. And, yeah, so we probably put a blanket <laughs> term on what is a very complicated situation. Um, but what, one thing I'm noticing and I'm finding it very interesting is that we, we had to learn to adapt to the world. But now, it's almost that some people, not everyone, want the world to adapt to them.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: And it's something that I'm noticing in, in, my, in my job that people are getting upset by um, things, so they're being triggered. And this, this term, tr- the trigger warning or that I'm being triggered, it's really quite interesting. So I had an experience recently where I did a keynote and in that keynote speech, I was talking about um, some scientific evidence. I won't I won't say what I was actually talking about because if that person is listening, I don't want to trigger them again. But I was talking about um, just some science that proved if you do a certain thing, it's going to help you be healthy. Yeah, yep. lifestyle. So, yeah, lifestyle changes. And I talk a lot about lifestyle changes in a keynote that I do on resilience and being healthy. And then after the keynote, I I got a a, a voice message from somebody that was sitting in the keynote and that they had left me a message saying they loved the keynote, but somebody in their team had been triggered by something I said. And so when I spoke to that leader, um, they said that, you know, something you said in the keynote had really upset one of my staff. And I asked more details about it. And so this person was in therapy for something. Um, And something I said about this scientific evidence that doing this thing will help you be healthy um, was confronting for that person to hear. And it was an interesting conversation because I said, well, I really do not like upsetting anyone. Okay, so what can I do differently?
0: And Mm -hmm. the message
1: I got was, well, maybe if you can tell people what you're going to talk about before you talk about it. And so, in other words, it was give the keynote before the keynote. (laughs) And I've I've been thinking about this a lot, and I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the world a safer place for the person that was upset. Um, And and so I I thought about it, and I I thought about this for a few days, and then I I called that person back and I asked if I could speak to the person that I'd upset so that, one, I could apologise, and, two, that I could, I guess, problem-solve with them. What could I do differently in the future? so that that didn't happen again, because I don't want to hurt anyone. And um, the opportunity to speak to that person wasn't given. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting, because I really want to solve this problem that I'm saying things that could potentially be hurting people, and I, and, and I really do not like hurting people. And um, yeah, it got me thinking about how, who, what's the situ- what do we do in that situation?
0: Well, I think it's a great opportunity for leaders and managers of pe- of teams to really create a place of psychological safety. So if mm. somebody came to them that they were triggered by a colleague, uh, a situation that had happened, something at home, uh, some media that was put out whatever, hmm. came to them. So so first of all, there is obviously a feeling of some safety if this person felt safe enough to report it yeah. to that person. Yeah. So kudos to, to the person that hmm. you spoke to. Um, but what I, I'm thinking, it, it could be to really see this person has come to you vulnerable and said, I've... Being triggered by this or you know this this has upset me
1: and i'm in in therapy that's right so
0: they're 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 on their journey of of healing and and acceptance and then they've they've come to the leader and the leader now has an opportunity to to get down there with them and and say look how what can i do you know how can we help Mm. and it doesn't mean bend or pander to every wish of Mm -hmm. everyone but if you can understand what their psychological needs are mm. to feel safe, there could be others in the team that also require that but mm. just aren't game enough to speak up yet. Yeah. And yeah. so...
1: So offering support. So yeah. what, what do you need from me? How do I help you?
0: Yeah. But, yeah,
1: yeah it, it, it seems to me that it's almost like there, there's, this, there's this shift where people want the world to bend to them rather than them bending to the world. And and life is going to be tough at times. Yes. There are going to be things that, that trigger us, that make us feel bad, et cetera. And I, I think it's our jobs personally to find a way to do the best with what we have in the moment and learn how to bend to the world. By all means, try and change the world. I'm not saying do not accept the world if you don't like the way the world is. But you have, sorry. You have to accept the world the way it is. Do all you can to change the world, but don't expect the world to bend around you, if that makes sense.
0: Well, based on what we said earlier, that mm. our generation or where to blame for mm. um, possibly our children uh, not being as resilient or adaptive Because we removed
1: all the roadblocks. That's right. Yeah. and
0: And it's a training thing. So if workplaces, if leaders can make it Safe and and give examples of, of where um, their teams can practice being adaptable. Yeah. Then we're training the next generation, so mm, to speak, or, mm. or that generation. That sounds a bit wanky. <laughs>
1: no, no, no I, th- I like that. I like that. It's good. Yeah, because it's it's not that anyone is in the wrong. We we did our best as parents. Our parents did their best as parents. Their parents did their best as parents. We all we always do our best, and and culture changes over time and it's really just about understanding how culture has changed and this is I guess quite a significant change that, that I've noticed and that you said you've also noticed. And, yeah, I take full responsibility for being a helicopter parent. and and uh,
0: Same. No. So tough love from now on. <laughs>
1: no, I doubt. <laughs> I, I know you do well. There's not going to be any tough love. It's, it's compassion and, and care all the way. <laughs> if you
0: ask my kids, they recognize tough love. <laughs> well, we,
1: well, I guess we do need boundaries. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic. That, But what I loved about the last podcast we did with Prince is that that he showed and he was a shining example of a, a refugee who survived a civil war uh, who, who has essentially had the drive and the tenacity to just always do the best with what he had and he assimilated and bend to the world rather than expecting the world to bend to him he's not sitting there going oh whoa my it's unfair he yeah he just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing until he made the success that he has mm. Mm. so prince thank you for your your story last time and uh, for sharing it with the world and and getting us thinking about this concept of doing the best with what you can uh doing the best with what you have in that moment yeah mm. fantastic any last thoughts, Michelle?
0: Uh, I think it's quite an exciting opportunity, though. If if um, companies and and businesses and leaders and teams all take on this this um, process of of becoming adaptable, mm. of being able to bend, adjust, and pivot, mm. and adjust, and because there's New, um, ideas, creative ideas, the creativity sometimes in order to, to be able to adjust and to change your mindset, to change your perception of things. Um, it, yes, it can be painful, but then if you've got to have, I I forget who it was. Was it Rumi? (laughs) I shouldn't forget. Um, was saying how, you know, you, if you have a, some discomfort every day. It helps you grow stronger. Yes. Well If you get that done in the morning early.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the anti-fragility that's that, that's, that you talk about right. in your keynote. So about we need adversity.
0: Yeah, and so if you you look at it, how you can adjust, and that doesn't mean sucking it up and putting up with bad behaviour yeah, or a no, bad no, situation. No, we're not talking about that at all. No, it's no. it's being so in this situation. If you were at an event where something was triggering um, a topic, hmm. then. Listen to it or not listen to it, remove yourself, and um, yeah, it's then, then deal with it or either with your um, counselor or yeah. talk to your colleagues, mm. your family, and yeah. I...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, you just made me think about another topic, which we might have to do on another podcast, but uh, more dogs. Yes, more dogs. The world would be a better place with more dogs. Absolutely. Good to see you again, Michelle.
0: <laughs> Bye, guy. <go. laughs> well, that was
1: fun. That was fun. <laughs> You're such a
0: clown. The clown. <laughs> Lady Captain. Lady
1: And who's going to listen to this? Maybe our mums.
0: Thanks, Mum.